right, come on in, get yourself a blue hymnal. Let's go ahead and stand if you can. Let's go ahead and stand if you can. We're going to sing number 460 in the blue hymnal, 460.
Amen. Please do be seated. Well, it is good to be in the Lord's house. The Lord sent us a beautiful fall day. I don't know about you. I'm, I always tell people I like all four seasons, and so I, I'm glad that fall is finally here. Hopefully it'll be fall and won't just turn back into summer again. But uh, anyhow, uh, good to be in the Lord's house today. Just a uh, number of praises were shared this morning. We're just thankful for God moving and answering those prayers. A uh, number of prayer requests. Let's do be in prayer for one another. And um, uh, just, uh, if you would, I said kind of an unspoken prayer, but it's it's not unspoken. It's just, uh, if you would, be in prayer for the Smith family for a time of grief for them. So it's just nobody in this church here, but just if you would, keep them in your prayers. And... Um, uh, 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 give me a second here. I know the... Uh, the uh, prime timers are getting together at McDonald's on Tuesday at 9.30, so let me encourage you to be there for that. Brother Sean Elam's going to be here on Wednesday. I'm looking forward to seeing him, meeting his wife, Monica, and, and so it would be good to see them. So please do be here on uh, Wednesday if you can. And then the teens have a, an activity this Friday uh, at the Clark's house, and that starts at 6.30. So if you don't know about that, ask somebody who knows, okay, So if you would. Uh, we're going to receive our morning tithes and offerings if our men will come to receive those. And Brother Wade, would you ask the Lord's blessing? Dear Heavenly Father, I just want to thank you for the opportunity to be here today, Lord. Thank you for our freedoms that allow us to be here, Lord. I just want to thank you for all the soldiers and uh, military personnel that keep us protected, Lord, and all of our first responders. Lord, I pray that you Yes, pray for all of our missionaries that be struggling. Sixty-three, but we had the opportunity to be at a preacher's meeting this week, and uh, and their church got up and sang that song, "Sweet Hour of Prayer." And uh, at the invitation, they said we could see all you guys wanting to join in. And so uh, they, at the very end, that was the invitation, "Sweet Hour of Prayer." But aren't you glad for a sweet hour of prayer? Amen. Amen. It's just good to sing those songs. Uh, we're going to talk about another wonderful. Uh, truth here, 263, a shelter in the time of storm. Jesus is 
number 202, 202. It's a perfect song about the message this morning. In times like these, you need a Savior. In times like these, you need a Turn with me this morning to the book of Exodus, chapter 10. Exodus, chapter 10. Going to be looking at the eighth plague. And uh, it might sound odd, but things are starting to get pretty serious now. Amen. You know, I. I know that uh, in parenting, that uh, when you're really trying to get a child's attention, sometimes the punishments escalate, if you will. And I think sometimes we forget um, what our relationship is to God. When the Bible says that every good gift and every perfect gift descended from the Father of lights, we need to understand that every aspect of our being is given to us by God. And therefore, he has the right to hold us accountable. He has the right to command us, okay? And, um, and a lot of times, God has to work very hard to get people's attention in that area. And uh, I, I like what you said about going up to Maine there, you know, about live free or die. And basically the attitude is up there, don't tell me what to do. Don't tell me what to do. Well, can I just say this? That's not a problem in New England. That's a problem everywhere. And I'm, I don't mean in America. I mean the whole world. Where man essentially says, I want to do that which is right in my own eyes. I want to do what I want to do. And who is God that he should tell me what to do. We'll look at this a little more here in a second, but you remember that was the exact context of the contest between Moses and Pharaoh, and if you will, ultimately between God's people and Satan's people, 
okay? And so I want to focus today on, on uh, Exodus chapter 10, and I want to focus on this eighth plague. And I want to put focus where it puts focus, on the locusts. Now, uh, this might be a silly question, but does everybody know what a locust is? Okay, since everybody's not bobbing their head, a locust is a grasshopper. Does everybody know what a grasshopper is? A grasshopper is what keeps people from riding motorcycles. Amen. (laughs) If you've ever caught one in the neck, you know. (laughs) Okay. But uh, by and large, to us, grasshoppers are just a nuisance. Um, But there are times where they can actually swarm and become quite destructive. Normally, they just eat and reproduce, and, you know, they're just another thing that birds eat. And by the way, we can eat them. I don't know if you know that, but uh, locusts are a clean animal. It might get to the point where we have to start eating them. (laughs) Hey, I don't know know if you know this, but not only do they have fake beef now, they have fake chicken. I mean, they're trying to get us to eat fake stuff. So you might say, hmm, locusts. (laughs) No. (laughs) Has anybody ever eaten one? Hopefully when you go to, have you eaten one? Was it good? Did you eat a lot or did you just eat one? Just ate one? Cooked? Uh-oh. <laughs> I don't need to know all this. Too much information. <laughs> I didn't mean... Don't ever ask a question you don't know the answer to. Amen. That's, that's, that's what. Anyhow... Uh, but they are. They're a clean animal. They're, they're available to eat. Uh, uh, John the Baptist, that's what he survived on, was locust and wild honey. Is what the Bible says. Amen. And, uh, and so, if you will, uh, in Exodus chapter uh, 10, verse 1, the Bible says, The Lord said unto Moses, Go in unto Pharaoh, for I have hardened his heart. And you got to remember, a lot of people would like to take and say, Well, that makes him, he's not responsible then. No, God knew that he would never believe. Okay. And God needed, and we'll see here, as a matter of fact, pay attention, he needed to show his signs and wonders in Egypt for a lot of reasons, not just because of the contest between Pharaoh and himself, but for all of mankind. All of mankind needed to know about this contest, and there was a potential for all of mankind to have known about this contest, okay? And so, if you will, the Bible says, I have hardened his heart and the heart of his servants that I might show these my signs before him. See, that he had a purpose in it. God said, I'm hardening his heart so that I can do this, okay? Meaning what? Well, he would just probably have bailed out at some point. Matter of fact, they're begging him to bail out at this point here. They're saying, don't you know Egypt is destroyed? And so, if you will, his counselors around him saying, just let them do what they want. Let them do what they want. And, and God is saying, no, we're going we're gonna, we're gonna to take this one all the way home, okay? Knowing that he would never be converted and knowing that he would, he would never, if you will, willingly uh, let them go. The Bible says in verse 2, it says, And that thou mayest tell in the ears of thy son and of thy son's sons what things I have wrought in Egypt, and my signs which I have done among them, that ye may know that I am the Lord. By the way, to be saved, do you have to know Jesus is the Lord? Yeah. So it's a good purpose what he's doing this for? Yeah. Verse 3, the Bible says, And Moses and Aaron came into Pharaoh and said unto him, Thus saith the Lord God of the Hebrews, How long will you refuse to humble thyself before me? Let my people go that they may serve me. We've already touched on this. He's not asking permission. He's making a demand. And he has every right to make that demand. Else if thou refuse to let my people go, behold, tomorrow I will bring the locusts into thy coasts. And they shall cover the face of the earth, and one cannot be able to see the earth. <coughs> Excuse me. And they shall eat the residue of that which is escaped, uh, which remaineth unto you from the hail, and shall eat every tree of which groweth for you out of the field. And they shall fill thy houses, and the houses of all thy servants, and the houses of all the Egyptians, which neither thy fathers nor thy fathers' fathers have seen since the days that they were upon the earth unto this day. And he turned himself and he went out from Pharaoh. And by the way, they had seen locust plagues before. Uh, anybody ever seen a, 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 the, the residue of a locust, a plague, a plague of locusts? 
Seems to me, I can't remember, I'm just going to make a number up, but about 20 years ago, I, they had one uh, somewhere there in the Middle East, and they were showing what locusts did, and uh, you guys ever seen an olive tree? I mean, they're big, robust, waxy leaves, I mean, very strong-looking tree, and they literally, when this uh, uh, swarm of, uh, of locusts came through, they barked the tree and they ate all the leaves. It, it looked like a dead tree when it was done. They didn't leave anything behind. Now, folks, get a hold of that. That was bad. God says never anything like this one, meaning they're going to eat everything. What wasn't killed is going to be absolutely eaten off. There was going to be no living plants, okay? That's, that, get this around, uh, our mind around this. And uh, the Bible says uh, in verse 7, And Pharaoh's servant said unto him, How long shall this man be a snare unto us? Let the men go, that they may serve the Lord their God. Knowest thou not yet that Egypt is destroyed? It's already destroyed, and he says something worse is coming, okay? And, and so if you will, uh, uh, the Bible says, uh, And Moses and Aaron were brought again unto Pharaoh. He gets a second chance. He says, Bring them back, bring them back. And it says, uh, and he said unto them, go, serve the Lord your God. But who are they that shall go? You remember how we talked about he's, he's, uh, he's all the time bargaining. And then that's the way the nature of the lost person is, is God, if you'll do this, I'll do that. And God, if you'll do this, I'll do that. And, and God is not to be bargained with, amen? You either accept his finished work or you don't. You, you either accept his word or you don't, Amen. And, and so he's trying to bargain. And, and Moses said, we will go with our young and with our old and with our sons and with our daughters and with our flocks and our herds. Will we go? <laughs> We're going with everything. For we must hold a feast unto the Lord. You remember in other places he said, we don't know what he's going to ask for until we get there. We've got to take everything. The Bible says, and he said unto them, let the Lord be so with you as I will let you go and your little ones look unto it for evil is set before you. Not so. Go now that ye that are men and serve the Lord for that ye did desire. And they were driven out from Pharaoh's presence. He said, he said, uh, no, either just take the adult man or don't go. Okay. By the way, it doesn't sound like bargaining. It sounds like he still thinks he's in charge. Y'all understand? See, a lot of times, especially with an unbeliever, they still think they're in charge of this whole thing. The Bible says, uh, And the Lord said unto Moses, Stretch out thine hand over the land of Egypt for the locusts, that they may come up upon the land of Egypt and eat every herb of the land, even all that the hail had left. Folks, when all is, all means all. The Bible says, And Moses stretched forth his rod over the land of Egypt, and the Lord brought an east wind upon the land... Uh, of the land all that day and all that night. And when it was morning, the east wind brought the locusts, and the locusts went over all the land of Egypt and rested in all the coasts of Egypt. Very grievous were they. Before them there were not uh, so such locusts as they, neither after them shall be such. Okay? By the way, that means normal, natural. We're going to see something here in a second. It says, For they covered the face of the whole earth so that the land was darkened, and they did eat every herb of the land and all the fruit of the trees which the hail had left. And there remained not any green thing in the trees or in the herbs of the field through all the land of Egypt. Folks, I don't, I don't know if you know this, but Egypt was known as the breadbasket of the world before this, meaning they literally could feed the world because of their productivity. Have you guys seen Egypt today? It's a big desert. I mean, much of it is a big desert. Well, that's when all this began for them. The Bible says, Then Pharaoh called for Moses and Aaron in haste, and he said, I have sinned against the Lord your God and against you. Now, therefore, forgive, I pray thee, my sin only this once, and entreat the Lord your God that he may take away from me this death only. And he went out from Pharaoh and entreated the Lord. And the Lord turned a mighty strong west wind, which took away the locusts and cast them into the Red Sea. And there remained not one locust in all the coasts of Egypt. How many of y'all believe not one was left? They ate everything, and then when they were gone, there wasn't one left. Wow. But the Lord hardened Pharaoh's heart so that he would not let the children of Israel go. Father, we love you. We thank you for your word. We just pray that you'd open our understanding of this text, help it to apply it to our lives, but also help it to give us a burden for the lost around us that we might 
Lord, glean one, one last soul as we look for you to come in these, the last days. Father, we do love you. We just pray that you'd be with those who are apart from us. Be with every request. Thank you for every praise. And we'll ask this now in Jesus' precious name. Amen. I want to talk about, first off, the reason for the locusts. Look what the Bible says in verse 1. The Bible says, in a sense, that the unbelievers might know. Meaning this, that one of the reasons he did this contest is so that unbelievers in God might know. Now, think about this. I was, I was meditating on this as I prepared this, and I, I think from the beginning, Adam and Eve, did they know that there was just one God? Yeah, but somehow, in the, in the course of time, they took and they said, well, we're going to worship this, and we're going to worship that. And usually it was because of some appetite or some desire or something that they could command and be in control of. And, and, and so they built, if you will, what is called a pantheon of gods. Pantheon just means all the gods, okay? And, and so Egypt was kind of, uh, Egypt and Babylon, they were kind of the forebears of all the idolatry and everything. And, and uh, today we would think of that more like in Hinduism and stuff like that. Uh, Catholicism, in a sense, with all their saints and everything like that. But they took and they said, if you want something, take an, an, an appeal to this deity. And, and folks, realize this. God's the only one that could answer their prayer. There, all, the, all those other things were things made out of stone and out of wood and silver and gold. And, 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 and they could not respond because they were not God. They were not real. Amen. And so in a, in a way, God in his mercy says, I'm going to destroy this God and this God and this God and this God and this God. And, and by the way, if you study the gods that are impacted by these different miracles, usually they don't just list one. They'll list many. Why? Because they had many gods that, that they would take and they would appeal to. How many of y'all know this? And I'm not trying to be critical. I'm just trying to tell you the way it is. That quite often, if somebody has a need in the Catholic Church, they'll determine which saint is in charge of that particular thing. And they'll pray to that saint for traveling or for health or for this or for that, if you will. They all pray to Mary, but they'll pray to particular saints saying, we want this. And he'll, he'll take and make Folks, that's just the same old story, Okay. Well, then why did God send these 10 plagues? I'll tell you why. Because one after one, he did it so that lost people might know their gods are not real. And that there is only one true God. You know, the Bible says very completely, I believe it's in, in Psalm chapter 19, the Bible, uh, well, in Romans also. But the, the Bible says that they would be without excuse because they knew God. The Bible says, and when they knew God, they glorified him not as God, it became vain in their imaginations, their foolish heart was darkened, amen. And, and, and listen, if that applies in Romans chapter 1, it, it certainly applied to Pharaoh, and it applies to us today. And so, if you will, uh, he said, why did, why did I do all this? That unbelievers might know. Folks, please take, take this to heart. Nobody's going to stand before the great white throne of judgment and say, God, I never knew. I never knew. Yes, you did. By your ho his Holy Spirit made them know. His word made them know. This, these stories made them know. Uh, have you guys ever uh, uh, studied? It's, it's fun to do sometimes. But all the religions around the world all have a Noah story. How many of you all know that? Every religion has one. Even, even the native religions in America have one, okay? And, and so, if you will, uh, you, you say, well, why do they all have one of those? I'll tell you why. Because there was a Noah. Okay? And, and, and listen, you don't have to convince somebody about the plagues and, and the thing that happened between Moses and, 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 and Pharaoh, if you will. Why? Because just so many people know about it, Okay? These things are written that you might know that in that, if you will, that the unbelievers might know. And that verse three, look what the Bible says, so that they might be humbled before God. They might be humbled before God, meaning what? God, you are God. And God, you are in charge and you are the one that gives blessings and you are the one that gives life and you are the one that gives hope. And and if you will, the Bible says that they might know. But get a hold of the second reason. Look at verse two. In verse two it's not that unbelievers might know, but that be believers might remember. And I'll show you later, but here in a second, and not only remember, but that they would remember to teach their children. You all understand that? 
And folks, I want you to think about that. Of course, we have Scripture, and that's how that we know, and that's how that we can, we can remember. We can take and read Scripture. And the Bible tells us in Deuteronomy chapter 6, as we walk and talk with our children, teach them the commands of God and teach them about all these stories, if you will, or these accounts, if you will. And don't let them forget, what? That there is a God in heaven. That there is a God they're going to give an account to. Amen? I want you to think about this, but that's the reason for the locusts, okay? Well, why is that important? Folks, get a hold of this. The the locusts are coming back. You say, well, that's figurative. No, it's not figurative. And you know what's going to happen is everybody's going to have to go, this happened before. This happened before. This happened in Egypt. And when those locusts came, they took and they ate everything uh, I, I don't want to get ahead of myself, so let me, let me develop this. Go, go back, if you will. And I kind of want to talk about the reoccurrence of the locust theme. Because there's locusts uh, spoken of in the Bible here in, in the Ten Commandments in Moses, if you will. And then also in the book of Joel and also in the book of Revelation. And by the way, in the book of Joel and the book of Revelation, they're both related. Okay, we'll talk about that here. But notice in Moses' time, in Exodus chapter uh, uh, 10, verses 4 through 6, we, uh, looking at that, uh, the Bible talks about how they're going to cover the face of the earth and everything like that. But uh, if you will, the contest between Pharaoh and between Moses is kind of like the contest between God and the belligerent unbeliever. Would you look at, if you will, at Exodus chapter 5, look at verse 2. Exodus chapter 5 and verse 2. And the Bible says, And Pharaoh said, Who is the Lord that I should obey his voice to let Israel go? Now think about this. God in all these is basically telling them, This is who I am. This is who I am. I have the power of life and death. I have the ability to take your cattle. I have the ability to prosper your cattle. I have the ability to give you the fruit of the field. I have the ability to take away the fruit of the field. Amen. And so you want to know who this God is. If you will, I'm going to take and I'm going to, uh, I'm going to show you. And so, like I said, every plague destroyed one or more of his gods. And every plague demonstrated his impotence against an omnipotent God. Folks, you think about it, what's happening a lot of times with a belligerent unbeliever, they're shaking their fist at God. Manasseh did it, okay? Pharaoh was doing it. Who is God that he can tell me what to do? And and God says, well, I'll show you. And by the way, did he humble Pharaoh? And you guys know, one of my favorite people in the whole Bible is Manasseh. Did Did he humble Manasseh? Man, laid him low. Amen. He said, now do you know who I am? And by the way, that's an act of God's grace. That's an act of God's grace, amen. And so, if you will, uh, we see that he is, he is a type of the, a belligerent unbeliever. He's also a type of Satan, meaning what? You remember the very first prophecy in the Bible? It's Genesis chapter 3 and verse 15, where God says this, He's going to bruise your heel, but my seed's going to crush your head. Okay? Well, get a hold of this. That's exactly what's going on. Has, has Satan gotten his shots in? Oh man, he's gotten his shots in. He's, he's taken and he's, he's enslaved the, the nation of Israel. He's put them under cruel bondage, the Bible says. And then he murdered the male children. Man, he got his shots in. Shot, 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 shot. Amen. And then, if you will, uh, God ultimately imposes upon him a crushing defeat. And by the way, he, he defeated every God and he defeated everyone so that nobody could think it could have happened any other way than God did it. What, what do I mean by that, folks? He brought in all those. Can, can you all imagine with me for a second here? Can you imagine locusts so thick you can't see the ground and you can't see from here to there? Folks, that's what he's talking about. He's talking about they have covered so completely and all he says, they're coming, they came. And then he says, get them out of here. He says, I will. And he got them out of there so thoroughly, not one locust was left. Amen. And by the way, how many of y'all believe not one locust is left? There's no pile of dead locusts. And God is saying, I'm so in control. I can bring them in. They can do their work and they can go. And you won't see any evidence. How, How omnipotent is our God? How powerful 
is our God. And so if you, you will, he's, he's a type uh, of the uh, belligerent unbeliever. He's a type of Satan. And, and so that's the reason for this contest. But I want you to see that God picks up this locust, uh, if you will, message again. Would you go to the book of Joel? Now, Joel might be a little bit harder to find. Okay. I believe it's right before Amos, right? Hey, there we go. Go to Joel, chapter 1. Let me give you something here. The book of Joel is, is kind of difficult, actually. The reason is, it never says who he prophesied to. Now, you can study in here, and, and you can see, it doesn't really tell you the time, but... With a little bit of research, you find out he was one of the earliest prophets. Matter of fact, he might have been in the time of Elisha, okay? He might have been in the time of Elisha. So he would have been one of the very first writing prophets. You don't really know about the events that, uh, that took place here unless they wrote them down in, in, in history. But he, he talks about this plague of locusts that is to come, amen? And, 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 and if you will, uh, it really doesn't necessarily apply to his time it actually applies to the end times okay now i do believe in dual fulfillment i I do believe there was an audience for the message they received it they understood it and they saw it I, i believe that but the application for much of joel is 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 with the messiah and the end times if you will and 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 that's kind of the purpose of the book but if you will in in joel chapter one look at verse four uh joel chapter one verse four the Bible says, that which the palmer worm hath uh, left, hath the locust eaten. And that which the locust hath left, hath the canker worm eaten. And that which the canker worm hath left, hath the caterpillar eaten. Awake, ye drunkards, and weep, and howl, all ye drinkers of wine, because of the new wine that is cut off from your mouth. For a nation has come upon my land, strong and without number, whose teeth are the teeth of a lion, and he that hath the cheek teeth of a great lion. Now, folks, he's talking about people, okay, who are going to be like these, these uh, caterpillars, excuse me, locusts, okay? Now, if you look at that, um, it, it's, it's kind of hard to understand what he means by this. But I believe he's talking about different swarms of different kind of caterpillars, okay? Literally, when I first studied this years ago, I thought it was the development stage of, of the caterpillar. But I don't know that that's the truth, okay? Because literally, all these names here, when it talks about the palmer worm and the locust and the canker worm and the caterpillar, they literally can also be translated this way. The gnawing locust, okay? The swarming locust, Okay? By the way, these are all pests in different ways. You can understand that. The canker worm is the licking locust. That means the ones that just get the, the residue, that just eat everything, okay, that they take everything. They're not just destroying leaves. They're taking the you know, bark off the tree and everything like that. And then the c- caterpillar is known as the consuming locust, okay? And, and so if you will, what he's talking about, he's talking about in the last days, there's just going to be wave after wave after wave after wave of these things that ultimately, think about what they do, they take your food, okay? They ultimately take your ability to make food. Now, I don't know how many of y'all have, uh, you know, 120 days worth of food sitting in your house. And if you do, good, okay, whatever. My whole point is this is, uh, I don't care how much food you have stored away, uh, if all the food is gone, can you imagine the chaos of our society? No one will be safe. Everybody will be panicked. Everybody will be just as scared as they had to have been in Egypt during all these plagues, especially this plague of locusts, okay? And again, like I said, he's, he's talking about the end times. We'll look at that here in a second. But uh, you know what he says in this chapter? Look at, at Joel chapter 1, look at verse 2. He says, don't let your children forget. Don't let your children forget. In verse 2 he says, Hear hear this, ye old men, and give ear, all ye inhabitants of the land. Hath this been in your days, or even the days of your fathers? Tell your children of it, and let your children tell their children, and their children another generation. Folks, think about the world that we live in today. We've taken the Bible out of our schools. And I'm going to say this, I don't want to say it kindly, if you don't know this, 
Folks, they are slowly but surely taking the Bible out of our churches. Amen. I mean, it, it, it would be a tragedy for, for anybody to grow up in church and not know the accounts of these Bible stories. Why? Because God says, teach them, teach them, teach them, teach them. Why? Folks, get a hold of this. God is not some miracle worker. He's not some candy man. He's not some give me what I need when I need it. He's God. He is sovereign. Come on, folks. He is sovereign. You know what that means? He has a right to hold you account for your life. You know what God is saying? You better tell your children that. And I hope they tell their children. And you guys understand, propagate, 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 propagate. Why? Because there's going to come a time, just like it here is in Egypt, where we finally come to a conflict between Satan and God, and it comes to a head. Okay? Folks, we call that today the tribulation. All right? Well, can you see how that that manifests itself? Go to the book of Revelation chapter 9 now, please. Revelation chapter 9. Look at verse 1. Revelation chapter 9, verse 1. The fifth angel sounded. I'll just just say this to give you an understanding. This is talking about the end of the tribulation. Christians are all believers before the rapture in heaven. God's raised up 144,000 witnesses. They've gone out to tell the world that, that Jesus is the Messiah, the Christ. They have been martyred or else put into exile. Okay, they're hiding for their lives. And, uh, and then eventually he's going to take and he's going to send the uh, two witnesses for the, for the very last time. You guys remember, I've also preached this. He's also going to send angels after they kill the two witnesses to preach the everlasting gospel. And the everlasting gospel is God's coming. You better get ready. Amen. You read it. Okay. And so if you will... Uh, we're towards the end of days here. God is still trying to get mankind's attention, just like he did with Pharaoh, okay? I want, I want to make an application, folks. If God can't get our attention here in church, think about how hard it is going to be for these people with no Bible, no background, no fear of God, and how bad the world's going to get until God finally gets their attention in the sense of what? I'm in charge. You answer to me. And if you can't get it, I'll do everything I can so that you can get it. And that is not anger. That is not judgment. That is not God being mean. That is God having grace saying, you better change your thinking before it's too late. Praise God. Amen. In, again, in Revelation chapter 9, verse 1, the fish, fifth angel sounded, I saw a star fall from heaven unto the earth. To him was given the key of the bottomless pit. Anybody want to guess who the star is? That's Satan, folks. Okay? Key to the bottomless pit. Does that sound like a good place? <laughs> the most wicked of angels are in the bottomless pit, held until this day. Okay, that would be another message for another day. The Bible says, And he opened the bottomless pit, and there arose a smoke out of the pit as the smoke of a great furnace. that sound like good news or bad news? Bad news. Amen. The Bible says, And the sun and the air were darkened by reason of the smoke of the pit. Hey, we just read something about that in, in Exodus chapter 10. You remember the, the locusts came so much it blocked off the sun? Amen. And there came out of the smoke locusts upon the earth, and unto them was given power as the scorpions of the earth have power. Uh, folks, these are, these are demonic locusts, okay? They're, these aren't even, I don't think these are even real locusts, okay? I, I don't know what they are, okay? The, the Bible says they have power to sting like scorpions, though, okay? You don't know a grasshopper that can sting like that, right? Unless you're driving that motorcycle I told you about, Okay? <laughs> 
The Bible says, And it was commanded them that they should not hurt the grass of the earth, neither any green thing, neither any tree, but only those men which have not the seal of God in their forehead. Folks, they're not even there to eat the grass. They're there to torture unbelievers. Is that what that says? I'm not making this up. And to them was given that they should not kill them, but they should be tormented five months. What, what's the part of hell called that unbelievers go to? If, if we go to Abraham's bosoms, where, where did the rich man go? He went to torments. Folks, people say hell, hell is here on earth. By the way, that's nonsense. But you know what he says? I'm going to give you a taste of it. Because I don't want you to go there. They were tormented for five months. They couldn't die. Later, the, the Bible says they were just called to have rocks fall on them rather than call out to God for mercy, just like Pharaoh was. Amen? To them was given that they should not kill them. We saw that. Verse 6, it says, In those days shall men seek death and shall not find it, and shall desire to die, and death shall flee from them. Why? God doesn't want to kill them. God wants them to repent. Please take this the right way. That's an act of love. Making somebody so miserable that they might cry out for salvation. Come on now. Y'all remember when you got saved? How many of y'all, it was your happiest day of your life before you got saved? <laughs> I don't know about you, I was a little bit miserable the day I got saved. You know why? Because I finally realized I was a lost sinner. How many of y'all were convicted? You better have been. And I'm just telling you, you probably should have been miserable. You should have realized, no, the things I'm pursuing are not life and good and, 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 and wonderful. They're, 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 they're sin and they're death and they're painful. Amen? And it should cause you that grief. And God is saying, you will not listen. You will not listen. So I'm going to make you as miserable as you can, as I can. Okay? Why? So that you might repent. Now, folks, think about this. The Bible doesn't one time say that he hardened their hearts. Lest you want to blame God for Pharaoh not getting saved. Amen? Because man can harden his heart for himself. Rather than cry out, they just wished that they would die. And the Bible says, look at verse 7. This is odd. The Bible says, And the shapes of the locusts were like unto horses prepared unto battle, and on their heads were, as it were, crowns like gold, and their faces were like the faces of men, and they had hair as the hair of women, and their teeth were as the teeth of lions. By the way, that repeats what was said in Joel, that they would have the cheek teeth of lions, okay? And the Bible says, And they had breastplates as were breastplates of iron, and the sound of their wings was the sound of chariots of many horses running to battle. And they had tails like unto scorpions, and there were stings in their tails, and their power was to hurt men five months. Folks, please take this the right way. I don't know what kind of scorp I don't know what kind of locust looks like that. But I'll tell you what, if God said they were coming in Egypt, they came. And God said they're going to come in Joel, they're going to come. And God says in Revelation, this is what they're going to look like and this is what they're going to do. Amen. By the way, verse 11. You know, a lot of people have, you guys ever heard people say this and say, well, I don't want to be with Jesus and all those goody two-shoes because when I die, I'm just going to go party with my friends in hell. Y'all know that's nonsense, right? Amen. They might want to read this next verse. You see, all those scorpions that were released, God didn't release them. God allowed them to be released. These folks all work for the devil. Remember verse 1? Well, look what it says in verse 11. And they had a king over them, which is the angel of the bottomless pit, whose name in the Hebrew tongue is Abaddon, but in the Greek tongue hath his name Apollyon. And if you look up those words, both of them mean destroyer or destruction. Amen. 
And folks, please take this the right way. Ultimately, it wasn't God that destroyed Egypt. It was the devil not allowing his people to repent that destroyed Egypt. And that's what's going to destroy this world. Folks, we see the reasons for the locust. We see the reoccurrence of the locust as a theme. But then we see the rejection of the deliverance offered from the locust. Uh, Help me for a second here. Uh, Nobody here has ever been in a locust, even around here. I mean, I've seen, have you ever seen like a lot of grasshoppers at one time? Anybody ever seen one? Nobody's ever seen one. You've seen a film or something or? Yeah, yeah, I mean, they'll make the news every once in a while, that's true, okay. Well, think about this. Okay, let's, how can I think about this? How many of y'all like when grasshoppers crawl on you? Nobody here? I'm trying to get you, <laughs> these boys here. <laughs> I'm sorry. <clears throat> Guys, I'm trying to get you in the right mentality. I don't know about you. I can take a few bugs, but I don't want them crawling on me. And I don't know about you, but I don't want the ground to go dark with them. And I don't want to be able to not be able to see because of how close together they are. They literally turn off the sun. Come on now, amen? And, uh, and uh, listen, I don't want them eating everything and all that. I mean, if you had a garden and you ever seen a pest take over your garden, that is so frustrating. Amen? If you will. And if that was happening to me, I would say, God, would you please take the locust away? Yeah. Amen? That's not, what, that's not what Pharaoh did. Go back in our text, if you will. Go to uh, Exodus chapter 10. Look at verse 9. Exodus chapter 10 and verse 9. The Bible says this. It says, Moses said, we will go with our, okay, y- y'all see that. And then, uh, and he said unto them, let the Lord be so with you. Basically what he's saying, he's saying, no, I'm not going to let that happen, okay? Even his counselors were advising him to obey God and let him go. Look what it says in verse 7. The Bible says in verse 7, it says this, it says, uh, it says, and Pharaoh's servant said unto him, how long shall this man be a snare unto us? Let the men go that they may serve the Lord their God. Knowest thou not yet that Egypt is destroyed? Yeah, I want you to think about this. They, it literally ate everything. And from what I can tell, they ate all the food in Goshen, too. Because it says all of Egypt. Y'all with me? This, this, even Israelites are being affected. This, all the food is gone. You know, he didn't want to lose his slaves. You know what you got to have to have slaves? Food. Y'all with me? Folks, at this point, he couldn't have kept his slaves if he wanted to. Why? Because they would have all starved to death. He didn't have food to feed them. You all understand that? And so God put him in a position where he really had no options. He had no choices. Obey. Let, me, let, let my people go. You, I've taken away every option. He says, I have one option. I don't have to do what you told me to do. Can you imagine being that belligerent? And friend, I, I will tell you this. There's times when, when the word of God is working on your heart and you just take and, and you become belligerent. I'm not going to. I'm not going to. Folks, you have that same mentality. Amen. Would to God that we would be soft and we'd be tender and we would be willing to take and to go to the place where God is driving us or trying to make us a, a point of decision. You know, they lost everything because of this rejection. Look what it says in verse 15. The Bible says, for they covered the face of the whole earth so that the land was darkened and did eat every herb of the land and all the fruit of the trees which the hail had left. Folks, I want you to think about that. All their food's gone. All their food is gone. Amen. And he confessed and asked for forgiveness. Verse 16 and 17. See that? Isn't that wonderful? Hey, he finally did it. No, he finally did it with conditions. Make it go away. And by the way, when it went away, then he went right back to, God's not going to tell me what to do. Amen. What do I mean? Well, you know what I I think about? I think about people who in a moment of trial or a moment of hardship call on the Lord for deliverance. They clean up their lives. They quit smoking. They quit drinking. they, 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 They turn their lives around. Amen. But the problem is, is that there was nothing real there. Amen. 
The Bible says it this way, the demon that you invited out, you've cleaned everything up real nice so that they say to seven of their friends, amen, hey, we got a place that's clean and swept, let's go back, amen. You guys know how that ends. The Bible says the last state of that man was worse than the first. Can I tell you, the hardest people in the world sometimes to win for Christ are people who've tried Jesus. But then God didn't let them do or have something that they wanted, and they quit on Jesus. Can I tell you this? There's nothing more grieving for a pastor. Amen. That's exactly what Pharaoh did. He took and he said, well, as long as you give me what I want. But as soon as he got what he wanted, his heart changed. If you will, he confessed and asked for forgiveness, but he refused to obey God's command, verses 18 through 20. You know, I, I, uh, how many of y'all have ever heard the term lordship salvation? Anybody here heard the term lordship salvation? Okay. It used to be quite the uh, controversy in Baptist circles. Okay. Why? Because people said you had to not only make Jesus your Savior, but you had to make him your Lord to be saved. Okay. Well, please take this the right way. If you'll call upon Jesus in faith, he'll save your soul. But if you don't make him as your Lord too, you got to really question your salvation. Because when you get saved by grace, through faith, hey, he gave you everything. But then when he asks you to do something and you say no, it makes you question the relationship. Amen? What was Paul's first response when God finally got him low enough where he could be saved. The first thing he said was, Lord, what would you have me to do? Literally this, you're sovereign, you're in control, you've broken me to the point that I'm willing to receive your gift of grace. Amen? And the sad truth is, that's where it ends for some people. Because they're just so glad to be saved but they still don't want God telling them what to do. Please take this the right way. Pharaoh's a perfect picture of that. He understood. He knew. All he had to do was... But he says, you're not going to tell me what to do. Amen? Now, folks, I don't think Pharaoh ever got saved. And I'm not trying to question anybody's salvation. But I will tell you this. If God can't tell you what to do, he's not your master. And he ought to be able to tell you what to do from his word. He ought to be able to tell you what to do from his spirit. Come on now. And I don't know how the Lord would move here today. I, I pray most of us here are saved today. But I will tell you this. God has shown us with these plagues and shown us the future, the plagues coming. Okay? I'm going to do all I can to get your attention. Okay? And uh, folks... We're living in a pretty wicked world, folks. I, I was talking this morning. We need to be praying for Israel right now. Amen. Why? Because God's in charge and he's working. We need to be busy about his business. We need to be more than just thankful for our sa salvation. We need to be not like Pharaoh and say, who is the Lord that he, you know, who is the Lord that I should obey him? And God says, I'll show you. I'll show you. And yet he never once was willing to take and say, your Lord, your Lord, your Lord. Would to God, if God's touched our heart in any way, that we could have that attitude today. You are Lord, you are Lord, you are Lord. Let's all stand if you would.